When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Where's Mr. I love my wife today? Uh, he is. Can we disclose where Judd is today? Yeah, Damn. we certainly can. He's at a grad party for his niece. Oh. Yeah, watching his niece graduate from Iowa State University. Because his wife made him go. That's exactly right. 100%. Good morning, Myron. And he gets to drink somebody else's booze, I assume. He's brown paper bagging the whole weekend, right? You know he is. All right, Myron Medcalf's in here. We got a lot to get to over four hours. Doogie with a scoop. Chris Singleton, but uh, let's start here. The 3-1. Swinging a long one to left field. This could be a game winner. It's going to go for a home run. Sox win. Sox win on a two-out home run by Trace Thompson to left. Turn on the fireworks. Added to the list of ones that have been tough to swallow. You, know, you try to begin to uh, find a way to dig yourself out of the hole that we've created, um, and you get a lead like that, you want to win those games, obviously. Uh, just let them hang around and... Uh, Game the first run, we didn't catch the ball, and uh, you know Polka would make a mistake, and he makes us pay. Uh, yeah, we just we just didn't do enough. All right, Myron, uh, you get the honors here. This is now, I be- is this the fifth time this week, Dave? We've had the Twins' wheel of dysfunction, or just the fourth? Only fourth, because we didn't have it yesterday after the big victory. Okay, well, you're gonna get your first ever spin of the wheel of dysfunction. Are you okay, ready? I'm ready. All right, give us uh, give it a good spin here. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Wheel of dysfunction. In that wheel, and around it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Oh yeah, this is a this is becoming a familiar one. <laughs> In the immortal words of Billy Zane, it's a walk off. This is the, the the fourth time I think they've been walked off this yeah. season so far. Michael Thompson's kid. Yeah, Trey, uh, Trace Thompson yeah. is uh, Clay Thompson's brother, yeah. and when he t- takes off the helmet, you look at him, you're like, wow, that looks exactly, exactly. like Clay Thompson. Exactly, It's crazy. He's yeah. bounced around like three different teams. Uh, so I was just doing some digging on this, and this, is not, this isn't directly related to the walk-off because I don't think any outfielder robs that home run that was about 10 rows deep in the left field. Yeah, I was gone. But if you were watching middle of the game uh, last night, or even if you weren't, I was at the Second Harvest charity event last night. I was just following updates on my phone. And I see Twitter blow up with Robbie Grossman going back to the warning track in a one-run game 5-4. to And for like the fifth time in the last two weeks, a ball goes over his head. And uh, and it kind of like he had a chance to catch the ball and misplayed it. And that leads to the tying run. Byron Buxton has now missed 16 games this year for the Twins. So Grossman, who's one of the worst defensive outfielders in the game, like you're basically replacing the greatest defensive outfielder in the world with 
a guy who should probably never come within five feet of a glove. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, he's played 19 games in the outfield. The Twins are 7-4 and four with Buxton in the lineup. They're 3-13 and 13 with him now sidelined due to injury. And if you go look at some of the defensive metrics, which you take these with a grain of salt because they're not, they shouldn't be taken as, as gospel. But the difference between Byron Buxton and Robbie Grossman over a full season, if you trust analytics, is about 30 runs defensively alone. And oh so you're goodness. seeing it happen here. And that's part of the reason why that's not the only reason. It's part of the reason why the Twins are 10 and 17 to start the season. I mean, this was supposed to be the year, I think, for Buxton to take that stride, right? To make that jump and to, to, have him out, it's unfortunate, but we're seeing the results of that. We're seeing... Sorry about that. It's we're okay. Seeing, hey, it's early, man. Yeah, it is early. What we're seeing is <laughs> what happens when you don't have a guy that dynamic on the field for you. For sure. And I thought this was going to be the season where you go, wow, is this guy going to put together one of those special runs where he starts getting MVP votes, where he starts kind of climbing into that, hey, man, this guy could be the one, uh, not just here, but like people around the country started to talk about him and he's gone and I watched that time run and I'm like wow yeah this always happens it keeps happening and losing a guy like that makes a big big difference yeah i mean it's uh it's it's easy to think well you know, like Kepler's been okay in center field and it's it, it the difference is Buxton to Grossman and it's uh there's other there's other comparisons you can make i mean it's like when Jimmy Butler's out for the Timberwolves yeah. and now all of a sudden like Bielitsa gets a bunch of minutes, and Bielitsa's fine, but he's just not like he's not Jimmy Butler. And then somebody else has to come in or not in Tibbs' rotation. They just go with like a six man rotation because he plays everyone 40 minutes. But uh, it's been a huge thing. And I don't know. We're going to talk to Chris Singleton later on in the show. I don't think I'm not going to go as far as saying the season's over because they still play like 40% of their schedule against the three worst teams in the American League Central. But which is huge. Yes, I mean they played three division games. Right? But like last night was one of those games, true, and you're up true. five to one in that you can't game. Blow it. You, you can't, can't blow a five one lead against one no. of the worst teams, a rebuilding team in baseball. You can't. It's a bad look. Um, that wasn't the only fun thing that happened last night. We had a cyborg playing basketball. <laughs> ding, ding. Shot clock all the way down to three. LeBron at the left point spins on Inanobi. Fade away long two. <laughs> down 43 for LeBron he's 19 of 27 from the field Cavaliers 116 Raptors 98 oh mercy tonight was another just uh full out team team win I mean JR has been consistent since this series started uh G Hill was great uh JG once again uh, another big game for him off the bench and uh, we definitely need he is I you and I were emailing uh last night <laughs> I think I don't want to have the MJ LeBron debate because that's the most cliched, overplayed debate in sports. But, yeah. but I think in terms of if I remember as a as a kid watching basketball in the '90s and playoff basketball, Jordan with the two three peats and like the must see nature of a Bulls playoff game, like you had to flip on a Bulls playoff yep. game. It's to that point with LeBron right now, and I don't think they're going to win the championship. But he is absolutely can't miss right now at this stage in his career. Yeah, and and, and what Michael didn't have was social media, so. I mean, you add that to what LeBron is doing, he, he might be the most watched guy ever in sports history. But yeah. you know, like I said in the email, t- to me, he, he's Babe Ruth, he's Jim Brown, he's Mickey Mantle. He's one of those guys where you go, if he's playing, I want to see it because I might see something that I've never seen before. And, and I don't know, as great as Jordan was, I don't know if we had that as much as we have it with LeBron, where you're like, this guy might score 60 points just because he feels like he was taking... Spin fadeaway shots. He was doing all like it was like he was almost experimenting against the Raptors. That's the number one seed. 
that he's toying with. Yeah, he was. It was. Uh, I, I think I saw. It was at ESPN stats and info had seven made fadeaway jump shots, yeah. which is the most in since they started measuring like 15 years ago. Uh, Clay Thompson had seven fadeaway makes at one point. And Jeez. I'm sure there's probably some playoff games if they would have measured it back in the 90s where Jordan yeah. had a bunch of fadeaways too. Of course. But, but like the, the difference is, and I, and I just pulled this up for fun. I'm going to quiz you right now. Not only does he give you the amazing offense whenever he wants, and he shoots from three-point range, He'll also, oh, by the way, give you like eight rebounds or 12 rebounds. Last night it was 14 assists or something. Crazy. So he's only the fifth player, when you talk about efficiency too, the fifth player in NBA playoff history, and this goes back to 1964, according to a basketball reference, the fifth player in NBA playoff history to go for at least 40 points on 28 shots or fewer, which is insane efficiency. Andrew Wiggins, take notes, buddy. Oh, no. And also dish out at least 10 assists in Amazing. a game. Can you name the other four? Well, two you gave me before the show, so I think I'm cheating. James Harden, right, is one of them. Oh, the, I, I, this is a different one. This is a different one. Yep, this okay. is a different one. I'm going to assume MJ. He, he, MJ has not. Oh, my goodness. MJ is not on that list. Yeah. That's surprising. Because MJ, MJ would get you triple doubles and things, but it would... The, the, I think the biggest difference, MJ might give you more top-end scoring yeah. nights, but LeBron gives you more of those stat-filler nights where he's triple-double yeah. or crazy assists, crazy rebound numbers. Magic, I'm assuming, is on that Magic list. is one of them. Magic went for 43, 6 rebounds, 10 assists, and actually a loss at Phoenix in 1990 in the playoffs, wow. May 13th. A, a Kobe number feels like Kobe. No Kobe. No Kobe. He's in too there. inefficient. Yeah, he is very inefficient, but it feels like... He could have had one of those nights. I don't. For me, it's almost one like of them you'll back. never get. Actually, two of them. One of them's going to shock you. The other one, you're going to be like, "Oh, okay." That's not Isaiah Thomas is not in there. You're in the right era. There's one that you're like in the. You're in the right era. Early '90s, late '80s. Well, it's not Bird. It ain't. I mean, uh, he I, played against Jordan in a finals one time. Drexler. Drexler did wow. it. Wow. Drexler did it against the Lakers on the road in the first round of the playoffs. 42, 12 assists, nine rebounds. The other two. Kevin Johnson wow. for the Suns in 1995 in a Mayor. loss. These are all losses, by the way, except for LeBron. 46 points, 10 assists in a game on only 26 shots. Wow. And then Rajon Rondo did it Holy in cow. 2012 at Miami. 44 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds on only 24 shots. But see, for all those other guys we named outside of Magic... Those were anomalies, right? I mean, those were like crazy. For LeBron, yeah. this feels normal. It does. Like it, it feels like, oh, he could do this again tomorrow. And it, and that's one of the that's one of the biggest shames. Number one, I think social media opens up for this like unwarranted instant criticism megaphone. Yeah. And it would have been interesting to see because I think LeBron James is the first player that I can remember who is this amazing without really any. I mean, he didn't have any gambling issues off the court that Michael no. Jordan had. He's Mostly been a stand-up guy, except for going on national TV 10 years ago with Jim Gray and kind of throwing Cleveland under the bus. But then he went back and rectified it, won a championship. Yeah. Uh, but like to watch a game like last night or even the, the, the clinching Game 7 against the Pacers, and we kind of shrug our shoulders like, oh, that's just like a LeBron game. Yep. But he's putting up 44 exactly. and 15 and 12 assists, and it's these ridiculous numbers that nobody puts up, but we just kind of shrug because he set the bar there a decade ago. Yeah, and everybody talks about you know, Michael Jordan and, and how we view him. And I think they almost knock LeBron because he's been around so long, started playing at age 18. But it's unfortunate sometimes that we don't sit back and go, wow, this is legendary what we're watching. Every night you see him play and he does something like this, yeah. 30, 40 years from now, those numbers will still be records. Those numbers will, I don't know if anyone will top 
what we're watching right now, as crazy as that stuff. And some people, I think it's this is the other funny tie-in from last night. Ben Simmons has been so good, and he's very Magic Johnson-like yes. in that he's oversized for a point guard, but he's he big. handles like a point guard. Yeah. And he distributes in triple doubles and like. And if you thought, oh man, maybe Ben Simmons is the guy that kind of takes the torch and then he scores one, one point. point. <laughs> Did you see the Wilt Chamberlain meme going yes, around last that, night? That was the best. Holding the 100 that sign, the but best. the zeros were scratched out. <laughs> yes. Kevin Hart, you see Kevin Hart laughing at, he was laughing at the Celtics when they were down like 20. And then apparently the Celtics went on a 25, 20 to 5 run Yeah, after that. Like, Whoops. The Ben Simmons thing, and this is not just Ben Simmons, we're so quick to compare these kids, man. Yes, Ben Simmons has a lot of amazing qualities. Let's give it a little bit of time. He's still a young player in the playoffs where that's just a different level of competition. Yes. Myra Medcalf is hanging out with us from ESPN. Where can people find your ESPN radio show on Saturdays, by the way? What time? Uh, Sirius XM, 12 to 4, Eastern, while 11 to 3, Central Time. Right on. Uh, and he does that show from our studios here, too. Unless security doesn't let him in, which happens sometimes. <laughs> it happened this morning. Uh, let's come back. All right. Speaking of LeBron. I understand the absurdity of putting LeBron James' name in the same sentence as the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. but I want to explore a hypothetical. Okay. Because he, I don't think, is going to play for the Cavs next year. And there aren't a lot of great options in terms of winning championships. So let's let's explore a hypothetical when we come back here. And I think you'll entertain this more than Judd would. Like, Judd would just laugh <laughs> at me for 15 minutes. So I feel like you're going to go down this road with me. Uh, Doogie with a scoop at 10 o'clock. Our Write That Down predictions with Myron as a guest predictor at 11 o'clock. Chris Singleton on Twins and uh, plenty of other stuff with Myron hanging out. Let's talk first about the number one REMAX results team in the country, Chris Lindahl. Chris Lindahl is helping solve a major problem in this country. And I have suffered from this disease myself. It's called cellophobia. The fear of selling your home because you don't think you'll be able to find one to buy and make the transition seamlessly. It's, it's, it's a legit huge problem right now that homes are selling so fast and people are thinking, if my house sells in like three days or five days, where am I going to live? I don't want to have to live like in, I don't want to have to go live at my parents' house or something. So you don't want to be rushed into buying a house you don't love. You don't want to live somewhere in transition. So it just makes you hesitate on selling your house to begin with. Well, the Chris Lindahl team is able to tap into artificial intelligence and a database that's exclusive to the Chris Lindahl team of thousands more homes available than what you find when you just go online to the standard MLS sites. So get over your cellophobia by going to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Mackie and Judd now continue. Just press play. On 1500 ESPN. Shot clock all the way down to three. LeBron at the left point. Spins on Ananobi. Fade away long two. Oh, he knocks that down. 43 for LeBron. He's 19 of 27 from the field. Cavaliers 116. Raptors 98. Oh, mercy. He just gave me a lift to see the ball go through the basket. Um, you know, there was times in the Indiana series where I had great looks and uh, point blank looks that just didn't go through. So it's just to see the ball go through tonight. That was Kevin Love, by the way. We had some vintage Kevin Love last night, Meyer Medcalf. A little 30 and 30 and 11 kind of a situation there. He's, he's to me, people love to knock that guy. You know, the people love to talk about what he can't do. But he's so skilled. And I went back and looked at the 08 NBA draft and how many like unskilled bigs were in that draft and who aren't playing a role years later who are doing nothing in the NBA or out of the league, his draft status is still holding up. I mean, he's still the top guy in that class, I think. Is O.J. Mayo still in the NBA? O.J. Mayo is not. O.J. Mayo 
the Bucks got rid of him, and then he's been in kind of no man's land. Like I think at one point, like I saw a story where someone was trying to like find him. Like he's like off the grid. So he's not even playing in China. No, where, I don't. I don't. Where think, everybody averages thirty five so. points a night. Yes. He made enough money though to not have to play in China. But you look at Kevin Love. People love to hate on the guy, but he's going to end his career with a championship ring, a bunch of All Star appearances. As one of the top guys, top bigs, I think in this generation. I'm not saying he's Anthony Davis or something like that, but he's going to be yeah. recognized as a pretty good player. If he plays for, if he plays at a high level for another, because I mean he's not even 30 years old yet. No, he's like 27 or like 29. 28, he might 29, be 28, 29, somewhere in there. So if he plays in at a high shape. level, it's possible he could knock on the Hall of Fame door. I think it's more than knock. I mean, if it's if if it's consistency, you know, like if you strip away the fact that he's playing next to the most hated player in NBA history. And if you strip away the fact that people look at what he did with the T-Wolves and saw no playoff appearances, like this dude's a double-double machine who's helped LeBron win a championship. If he keeps playing like this, and I think the other thing for Kevin Love is there's still enough time for him to go somewhere else, establish himself as the star again, and help another team you know, make a championship run out there. So, all right. I, w- I want to go down this path here, yeah. and uh, this is where Judd would laugh for 10 minutes. <laughs> and I and I'm fine with that, but I think maybe maybe you're going to enable me here. Maybe you'll just shut this down. I don't know. And I I get how absurd it sounds to put LeBron James' name in the same sentence as the Timberwolves. But we start we actually started this conversation a year ago on this show uh, when we were discussing. It, it might have been after the. It might have been like nine months ago. Where okay, is there is there a way to revamp this roster? LeBron James probably not going to come back to Cleveland, mm. and and that's that's the direction it seems to be headed. Where Cleveland is sort of out of options to really revamp that roster. They've got they've they've got some tough contracts, so unless it's just LeBron carrying that current collection, I think he leaves. Mm-hmm. I don't think he goes back to Cleveland. Now, there's a lot of life reasons why he would go to let's say LA. Like he has yeah. a home in Los Angeles and they spend off seasons in Los Angeles and I think his business partners are in Los yeah. Angeles and there's so and there's been Lakers rumors for a long time. And the Lakers could add LeBron and Paul George and they could make a run at I don't think that team beats that's the thing. Like the Lakers are the most logical place for a lot of life reasons. And maybe just because it's it's a you know, it's a much larger brand than any other option that he would go to. From a purely basketball perspective, if you if you rule out everything except for basketball and chances to win a championship. Where do you think the Timberwolves would rank if it was like a sign and trade, Andrew Wiggins to the Cavs in some package, a three maybe it's a three way deal of some kind. From a purely basketball perspective, where would the Wolves rank? Sixers have to be number one if LeBron went somewhere else, because yeah. the Sixers might get to the finals without him this year, and then if you added him to a finals team, then you know they're going to win the championship. I, I guess I want to understand the parameters of the combo, right? He can go anywhere. Like, could Boston well, create? Or are you talking about teams that are actually able to make Teams that are make put somewhat realistically able yeah, to Sixers put something number, together. I think the Sixers are number one because he could go in there, still be in the East, and, you know, win the East and face the Warriors. There's a lot of Houston, you know, chatter about whether or not they clear the cap space. I mean, Capella's up for a max deal. They can do some things. So I think Houston's right there with the Sixers. If it's just basketball, I mean, I put, I think I put the Wolves high. If it's just basketball, but there's other there are other teams like if the Pelicans don't sign Cousins to a max deal, they've got that slot, right? If you put LeBron with Anthony Davis, I might pick them to beat the Warriors, right? Just considering how dynamic that duo would be. If you put LeBron, if they could find a way to put LeBron and Anthony Davis together, and then 
just put a bunch of three point shooting defensive oh, type players. And so and that and and the fact that you brought up the Pelicans, which are, let's put them in the same family as the Timberwolves, yeah. these sort of obscure franchises with no real history that have never won anything of significance. If I were LeBron, rather than going to Los Angeles and probably just getting drummed by the Rockets and the Warriors for the next three or four years, and now my prime years are over and I'm 36 years old, because like that Lakers team, if it was LeBron and Paul George and Lonzo Ball, they're not going to beat the Warriors the next two no. or three years. What I would do is I would just become the championship whisperer and hunt championships for franchises that have never won anything of significance or franchises where it's been a long time, like the Sixers haven't won anything in decades, right? I would go year to year or two years here if there's if there's five years left of my of my peak. I would spend it with two or three different teams, short term contracts, and just deliver championships to cities in need. The Pelicans <laughs> could be on that list. The, the Timberwolves could be on that list. The Sixers could be on that list. And that's how I would create my legacy at the end of my career. See, I think he cares too much about his legacy to do something like that. I mean, this guy went back to Cleveland after they burned his jersey after the owner wrote a letter saying he would never win a title. Like. You think he stays in Cleveland? No, I don't think he stays in Cleveland, but I think it's a physical thing more than anything else. I think in this playoffs, he realizes, you know, my body can't do this. Something happens to you at 32, 33, I'm 34, where like that young man stuff that you could do pretty easily and not feel any soreness. And When was your last 44, 10, and 12 game? Oh, man, that probably middle school. I don't, <laughs> you know, but, but like maybe. Uh, but, you know, like he's getting to that age where I think he sees – I need some young help. I don't. I just don't just need help. I need some young, young bodies. The Sixers, yeah. the Lakers. Guys All due like respect that. to Kyle Korver, who's yeah. still awesome, but he's great. a fossil. Yeah, you don't want to do that. But I think personnel wise, the Wolves would be a great spot if you made a trade. You put him with Butler and Carl Towns. I mean, they'd be right there in that mix two through five seed. I think in the West. But you still got to go through the Warriors, and I don't see anything happening this all season that changes my belief that the Warriors will win as long as they stay together. If this group stays together for the next three to four years, I don't think they have the cap flexibility to do that with Thompson's contract. They're going to have to make some moves. If they stay together the next three to four years, they win the next three to four titles. I agree. I mean, the only the only wild cards are Steph Curry's ankles and knees, right? Exactly. Or other random freak injuries. Yeah. I mean, there's no other... If they can make it work financially, as long as those guys are under the age of... 33, I think, 34. I don't know if anyone beats them. So I agree with you on that. And and since we agree on that, do you think as much fun as it was for to watch the Timberwolves go to the playoffs for the first time in 14 years, even though like the path to get there was very choppy at times and and miserable and Tom Thibodeau-y and stuff yeah. like that. But like they hit the accelerator button on that franchise's winning curve. And it's like they accelerated right into the Warriors dynasty. Yep. Rather than what I think Flip Saunders' vision was, was keeping that young nucleus together, and and I think Flip would have would have drawn more out of Wiggins by this point too. I I I, I don't yeah. think Wiggins and Tom Thibodeau are a great connection. Does it connect well with anybody? Is there Jimmy, anybody Jimmy to? Butler and Taj Gibson, right? Other other guys, other than guys he didn't coach, yeah, and Derrick Rose, obviously in Chicago. Do you think they hit the accelerator? Too early, like what? It's Jimmy Butler's awesome, and I love watching Jimmy Butler, and yeah. he's the second greatest Wolves player of all time, automatically right now. I just think it's a confusing time because for me, everything about Jimmy Butler has always felt temporary. He's not staying long term. At some point, he's going to go chase a title. I think. Like to me, this has always been about what can you do to help Carl Towns because that's going to be the guy that you build your franchise around, and that's the most important player on the roster. 
So I think in a league where people put together these championship, championship quote unquote teams overnight, it, it was premature certainly to say, hey, the Wolves are going to skyrocket and do this. Um, but I, but I also think it's fair to expect them to be better. I mean, you got two All Stars, you got a guy in Wiggins, you just gave one hundred and fifty million dollars. I mean, you got all these veteran pieces you're bringing in. The expectations should have been more than you know just a scare in Houston. Like they should have been more competitive. I felt like, and I look at the stat. I look at Tom because to me, when you talk about Wiggins, and I know Wiggins is not your favorite, but a coach has to connect to a guy like that and get something out of him that Agreed. maybe he doesn't even know is in himself. It's on both of them. Yes. Tom hasn't done that. Why? And, and, but what is it with Tom and this generation of players? Like, I wonder if there's a disconnect between his ability to relate to these young millennial types who just have a different vibe, man. I don't think, and I'm, I don't know Tom Thibodeau personally. I mean, I, I, I've, I've talked to him four times in person and it's all basketball, yeah. radio interviews and basketball. So I'm not going to pretend to know Tom Thibodeau personally, but Hearing about Tom Thibodeau, nobody questions his work ethic. No. And he even, you know, he made a comment in his postseason media scrum earlier this week or last week, whenever it was, you know, somebody brought up the critics and he said, well, I know how hard I work and I know this team. And it's like, no, no one's questioning that. Yeah. I think people are questioning whether or not on a human level you can empower people in an era where you can't just be, you can't be a dictator who tells people what to do especially the younger generation of players that might still yep. work with like, and, and like, it's not like Jimmy Butler's 50. So, no. but he's a bit of an old soul. Definitely there's, old soul. there's definitely a line between players who are 30, 31, 32 and players who are 21, 22, 23, somewhere along there, people who were born in 1985 versus born in 1992 leadership styles and, 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 and what needs to happen to connect with those people has changed. Yeah. And I, that's what I question. And I, I'm with you. Like I, part of it, I think, Andrew Wiggins doesn't have that Kobe Bryant gene where he's going to nope. wake up at like two thirty in the morning and go get better every nope. day. I think he'd rather play video games, yeah. quite frankly, like the, and Snapchat or whatever. Um, but but on Tom Thibodeau's side, do I think a Brad Stevens or a Quinn Snyder or even a Greg Popovich would be able to draw more out of Wiggins? Maybe there's no one on the on the planet if Wiggins doesn't want to that can make Wiggins into like the number one overall draft pick hype guy that we thought he was going to be. But do I think that Brad Stevens could get him to shoot more efficiently and understand, you know, what a good basketball play is with 17 seconds on the shot clock? Yes. Yes. And uh, down 20 points last night against the Sixers at home, Brad Stevens is in a huddle during a timeout and they put together some run where they hit somebody in the corner and Brad Stevens goes, that was a beautiful play, guy. That was a beautiful play. Keep doing that. We're going to keep eating away at this league. He wasn't, are you guys kidding me? You, you're you down by 20. You, he he was We've got to this. down We've got 20. Yeah. He knows his guys. Like, he knows if I just bash these kids right now, we're going to lose by 50. Mm-hmm. I think these old school coaches don't have that balance. And I think that's one of their big challenges. Yep. Let's t- let's talk more wolves later for sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of meat on this bone, and would love to get more perspective from you. Myron Medcalf hanging out with us in for Judd today. Mackie and Judd. Let's catch up with Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com, on the Vikings and their offseason moves. Now that the draft is over, pretty much this is the roster. This is the the 53 man is going to come from this collection, and uh, and we could talk to Kevin about that and the NFL tweaking its kickoffs, it looks like, going into next year. Let's talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota for just a second, too, here. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. I absolutely love 
all of the new features on the 2018 Toyota Camry from the upgraded sportier looking exterior to the Entune system, which is the interior, uh, the interior console, the touchscreen. It's an, it's an eight inch touchscreen. It's the third version of the Entune system, which allows you not only to uh, connect your phone and your apps to the screen, but it just allows you a lot more uh, power literally at your fingertips to uh, to do things in a, in a Toyota that you weren't able to do five or ten years ago technologically. And all the new safety features, too, that will help keep you and your family uh, safe on the roads this summer. Stop in to my favorite dealership and service department. Open until 9 o'clock tonight. Summer starts here at Luther Brookdale Toyota. And go check out that Luther Lounge, too. You got two 70-inch flat-screen TVs. You got uh, Bill Mackey, Judd Zogad. How long did the show last? More than seven hours. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Yes, yes. Just because this is now the official offseason of the NFL. Like, February through April is not really offseason for the NFL. We are in the offseason. Doesn't mean we're not going to talk meat and potatoes here. Myron Medcalf is in for Judd. You can find him all over ESPN's platforms, ESPN Radio on Saturday mornings. Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com. Let's start with kickoffs. I'm going to I'm gonna steal a question from Judd here, Kevin. Why don't they just... He's not there to defend himself. Either. No, but we I think we agree on this. Why don't they just get rid of kickoffs? If, like, if that's the direction they're moving in and they're kind of inching closer to that now with these new rule proposals... Why don't they just get rid of kickoffs? And where do you think this heads in five years now that they're tweaking it in that direction? Yeah, I mean it's a fair question, um, you know, and I've kind of advocated for it as well, feeling as though like the die has already been cast, and that you know no matter what tweaks you continue to do, it's still going to be a really dangerous play. And they might still do that, but I think they there's definitely a, a group of people that have some authority and power in the NFL who feel like if you could get the kickoff right, it would. It would be a really, still be a really fun and entertaining play, and one that fans would want to watch. Um, and I think they're also sensitive to the idea that there's a lot of fans who already have the perception, um, fans slash customers who already have the perception that they're kind of softening the game out of concern for concussions and softening being a very pejorative word uh, to them, and they don't want to do that if they don't have to. So. Uh, they got to the end of this year, and they real and they knew that the data showed that concussions were five times as likely to happen on these kickoffs. So they went to basically what I feel is the last resort. They went to the special teams coaches and said, "Propose something inside football or that could potentially reduce or eliminate these high-speed collisions that are causing a lot of the concussions." And this is what they've come up with. Um, they're going to give it time a year, I think. Uh, Mark Murphy, the Packers uh, president, who's also on the competition committee, said it's still going to be on a very short leash. But they're going to see if this works. They're going to see if they, if the changes that they're planning to implement can really bring the injury numbers down to a point where they feel like it's not much different than the rest of the game. And if so, then they'll keep doing it. But if not, I think that this they can look back on it and say that we gave it our best shot. Kevin Meyer Metcalf here. I feel like I talked to you on the radio more than I've seen you in person man, <laughs> I know, in the last like six, seven years. Uh, ten years from now, will we recognize football? I mean, will it resemble the game that we've grown up watching in any way? Yeah, um, because I think if you look at, you know, maybe not ten years ago, but if you look over the course of history of football, it has changed significantly. I mean, there's been an evolution um, not just in terms of rules and 
uh, you know, various uh, things like the PAT moving and the two-point conversion and all that, but also, like, the level of ferocity, I think, has already decreased um, some. And if you were to look at it, if you were, if there were video of, of games, you know, in the early 20th century where people were literally dying or in the 60s and 70s when people were, were headhunting for fun, uh, you, you'll see that it already has changed in ways that it's, that significantly noticeable to a to a uh, you know somebody who pays attention to the game and so it will be different in 10 years there's no doubt about it will we recognize it yes but it'll be different um still you know whether it's because of equipment or whether it's um because of rules that there there will be uh you know less hits to the head less head injuries and if they aren't able to uh, you know get those head injuries to a level that is acceptable to the to the uh, the medical people and the insurance industry then then we won't see it at all so it's going to have to change but i don't think that it'll change to the point where uh, we won't recognize it yeah kevin seifert with us here mackie and judd myron in for judd today do you think the vikings made a mistake short term in a Super Bowl window by not really beefing up right guard. I know that's a really meat and potatoesy question, but they had they had a chance maybe to to go first round guard who can help you right now as a rookie and they went development offensive lineman in the second round and didn't do a lot in free agency and that was a big glaring issue for them. Yeah. I um it is it is first of all quite a uh, a situation to be in where you're getting hammered nationally for not addressing your right guard right. position. We kind of always joke like that's the guard position is the one that uh, only matters to the most, uh, you know, I don't know what the pig, in baseball we call it seam heads. What do we call it in football? Pig heads? Uh, <laughs> pig you know, heads? I, yeah. yeah. Something like uh, that. Big skin, yeah. That only matters to people who really have, you know, a deep uh, analysis of the game. And so I, I have a hard time just tearing them up for not finding a new right guard in the draft. Uh, I think that offensive line is still a position where you can develop people over time and they have drafted people in the past and it's now on them to develop them whether it's you know Danny Isidore or somebody along those lines that's where you don't just have to go draft a first round offensive lineman in, in order to address your line and so we'll see what type of development they can do this offseason and in training camp um, and there's lots of ways to to address that if they just go into the year planning you know to just you know put the the best of the worst that they have out there then maybe that's not a great plan but i think they still have a chance to develop some people and um if the biggest issue on their team is that they don't have an established right guard then then i don't i have a hard time jumping on them too hard for that what's the biggest thing you expect Kirk cousins to do this season that case keenum could not or did not do consistently um you know case had a pretty good year you know i was on record saying that this is one of the best uh, seasons that a Vikings quarterback has ever had, um, you know whether it was because of the great scheme that, that Pat Shermer had, or whether the, the balanced offense, or whatever the reason was, his performance um, statistically and results-wise was amongst the best that they've ever had. So there's up in my mind a pretty high bar for Kirk Cousins to 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 hit just to be able to to match what what Case did last year. I think. Um, you know, if there's something that, that, that Kirk is probably inherently better at than Case, um, it's the uh, sort of staying on schedule um, 
offense, the best way to put it. I think he's more likely to to, to find that find that first read and, and or find that open read on the uh, in the timing of the play rather than dodging needing to dodge pass rushers or needing to get outside the pocket or, or climbing the pocket or what have you. Normally, that's considered you know good quarterback play when you are able to move around in the pocket and keep your eyes downfield and find somebody. But to the extent that an offense over time relies on on being able to make those scheduled plays, I think that's probably something he could be better at than, than Case. Does Matt Ryan send uh, Kirk Cousins and his agent a thank you card this morning? Goodness. And then Aaron Rodgers has send them both uh, Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. The the Matt Ryan deal is crazy big, uh, especially in a situation where they weren't bidding with anybody yet. Um, but clearly, he must have made. And clear that he was he would have been willing to go the Kirk Cousins route if necessary, test that franchise tag strategy and see where it went because uh, what he got um, was not just an incremental um, budge beyond what uh, what Kirk got. He got a significant upgrade, and I think that I think Pro Football Talk has just put out the full numbers. And there's they have to you know it's a hundred million dollars with no offsets um, and. Uh, really no way to get out of it. It's a tremendous guaranteed commitment uh, relative to the way NFL contracts normally are. Uh, Kevin, who, who do you think would be the best quarterback out of this draft class, uh, the five guys who were picked in the first round and why? Yeah, I think Rosen, Josh Rosen will be. And I, and it'll be fat. We just had to address this for something we're doing next week on, on ESPN.com. But um, we, uh, yeah, I understand the Baker Mayfield love, and I think he's probably perfect for Cleveland and what they need to do in terms of uh, adding energy. But over time, the best quarterbacks in this era have been the people who are the most accurate, uh, who have the best sort of instincts about where, where how the game is played and have the best, the quickest sort of processor of uh, information on the field. And that's where Josh Rosen stands out. He's not as mobile as some of the other guys. He's had some injury issues, so you always have to keep that uh, in mind. But in terms of the things that make quarterbacks really high-end, uh, you know, the Drew Brees, the Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson getting to that point, um, uh, a few others, That's those are the traits that get you there. And that's Josh Rosen to me and to other people as well is the most likely to have those traits. So I don't know if he'll – you know, get out there this year and do that, or whether it'll take some time. But he has those elements, those particular skills and elements of his game, uh, locked in in a way that I haven't. That I don't think the other guys do to that extent. So we shall see. But if I have to pick one, that's that's the one I would pick and why. And it feels like just reading, you know, some of these second and third hand reports now about why the Browns decided on Baker Mayfield, and you've seen some of these weird stories about scouts and running into the volleyball team and things. And my, my glean was that the, the Browns feel like Baker Mayfield was able to, despite some of the off the field and, you know, immaturity things really connect with players and really uh, make an impact in a locker room. And my question back to that would be, don't you think there's a pretty huge difference between connecting with a group of college players in that locker room and then the maturity and communication style needed to do it in an NFL locker room where you're dealing with 29, 30-year-old adults with families? Yes, and I also, I personally, um, like of all the reasons to draft a quarterback, like to me that, that just never strikes me as, as the most important one. 
um, you know, it, 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 it definitely helps if you're well liked and you're uh, you're you're able by the, by the rest of the locker room and the rest of the team, and if you're able to communicate with them. But always the language that the, all these guys speak is competition, and and whether it you know it's they don't they don't necessarily universally speak nice. They don't just you know the language of nice. They don't necessarily speak the language of hanging out at bars. They, but they all speak the level of competition. If you and your presence can help the rest of the players in that locker room get where they want to go uh, on the field, off the field, you know, endorsements, all that sort of thing, uh, then you will be well accepted. And if you don't, if you, if you don't have the right work ethic or you, um, you aren't able to translate uh, your skills into a winning uh, performance on the field, then, then you won't have the locker room. And that to me is what those guys should be judged on. And, you know, it's great that that Baker Mayfield was able to uh, to, to have that kind of, those kind of relationships with his teammates, and hopefully he can continue to do it. But that relationship will be limited if he's not also able to to deliver on the field for himself and for them as well. For sure, great stuff, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, guys, thank you. All right, Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com. Who would you if 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 your entire livelihood depended on one of those quarterbacks panning out for ten years? Which one would you put your chips on? I, I would actually go with Sam Darnold. I think he's uh, the guy where if he can fix some of his mistakes, I think he forced a lot of passes, which led to the interceptions, but he's the prototype to me. He's got the highest ceiling, I think. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I don't know if I could have pulled the trigger on Baker Mayfield number one. I would have gone Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. Yeah. Baker was so good last year at Oklahoma. He, he was by far the best quarterback in college football. Will it translate? We'll see. You can't. Yeah, you can't compare him. Like Tim Tebow couldn't complete a pass. So no. You can't. As far as like, well, this rah rah college style. Baker Mayfield's better than Tim Tebow. Oh, he's he was the stats show that, and he's better than Johnny Manziel, and doesn't have for at least what we can tell cocaine problems yeah. in nightclubs yeah. and things like that. So uh, we're going to get Doogie in here in about fifteen minutes for some inside information on our local sports teams. The scoop at 10 o'clock this week, and write that down, which is usually at 10 o'clock. We're bumping to 11 o'clock, so write that down and an accountability session in about an hour and 15 minutes. Myron Medcalf in for Judd. It's Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd now continue. Oh, that just makes my nipples hurt. <laughs> 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 On 1500 ESPN. It's going to be gorgeous today. It's going to be 70 degrees, and you know what that means. It is time for the official GL Garage door openers celebrate with 1500 ESPN and GL. One to three today. It's a live Garage Logic broadcast. Charlie's on Pryor in Pryor Lake is the spot. Come enjoy one of the Scramble Friday drink specials and in, uh, enter to win a new Legacy 850 garage door opener from Overhead Door Company of the Northland. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Thank you, David. We got Doogie coming in in about 10 minutes for his weekly scoop session. We have an update on Royce White in about 25 minutes, too. Thanks to uh, Myron for... I had no idea what Royce White was doing, but uh, apparently he's still in the headlines, just not in this country. Yeah. So we'll get to that later on in the show, too. And Chris Singleton, let's get back to this Wiggins thing. You and I were on a good Timberwolves thread earlier, and we can mix in some of this throughout the show. Um, When... I'm watching some of these other playoff teams and some of these younger players, like whether it's Rozier in Boston or Donovan Mitchell averaging 27 points in the playoffs so far as a rookie, 
was not one of the top five picks. He was, no. you know, borderline. Was he? He was outside the top ten, right? Was yeah. he? Yeah, 15, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, I just, Too low. yeah, I see a fire. I see an urgency that I don't see in Andrew Wiggins, and it's. I'm going to try and check myself this summer because I don't think it should just be about bashing Wiggins like it was for me personally the last six months. I think it should be about solutions. Like, let's find some solutions for Andrew Wiggins. And one thing I would tell him is go watch the passion and the urgency that some of these other players play with. And if you think ratcheting that up can help your game, I don't think it's a requirement. But I think if you just see the uh, passion's the wrong word, urgency is probably a better word. Understand that. Every loose ball is the last loose ball that you're ever going to dive for. That every time you drive into the lane, like making sure that you get a good shot or dish to a teammate, like treat every possession like there's 30 seconds left on the clock. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I'm watching him unless it's unless it was game three against Houston where he went for 25 and five. Like we shouldn't have to point out the standout games, which are so infrequent. That's the that's the biggest indictment on Wiggins is that we can say, well, that game three mm-hmm. with Donovan Mitchell, it's like that's his baseline, yeah. right? So my frustration is that I'm looking around the rest of the playoffs and the rest of the teams, and even Ben Simmons had a bad game last night, but the rest of uh, his games in the playoffs, and these guys are playing at a really high level, and they're playing with urgency, and I didn't see that. I didn't see it with Towns in the first two games. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think we're, we're kind of talking about two different things, in my opinion. Playing with that sense of urgency, that competitive edge is something you want to see from any player. Uh, Wiggins will never be the guy who's pounding on his chest and and yelling. I mean, I, I covered him in high school. I saw him. I saw him at Kansas. Uh, you know, they they would bring him out for interviews after games at Kansas, and he'd say ten words. Like like it was like he wasn't comfortable with that spotlight, mm-hmm. that stardom. Um, and as good as Ben Simmons is, Ben Simmons doesn't have that sort of outgoing person. He kind of plays with that straight face. He's just effective. And I think everybody just wants to see Andrew Wiggins reach his potential and be an effective player consistently. If Andrew Wiggins starts shooting 39% from the three-point line next season... Different player. And he's a consistent defender, I don't I don't care if he screams out. I don't care what he... Well, you know who you just described? Who's that? 39% with with some level of tenacious defense, but, but, a, but kind of a quiet assassin. That's Kawhi Leonard. Yes. Yes. And that and and talk about passion, Kawhi has none of it if it's about, you know, screaming. And I, I said this in the email. We had Kevin Garnett here, right? So when you see a guy like that and he establishes sort of the tone of your franchise, you expect every young guy to come in and have that fire. And and I think that's an unfair standard. I think it's through actions. You and I agree. Yeah. I, it, it, I, ver, verbal doesn't matter to yes. me. Like it's it's passion through action. Yes. Yeah. And Wiggins the bottom line is he's just got to become a more effective, more consistent player. Uh, because being a six foot eight athlete in today's NBA doesn't mean what it did five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Because we're seeing so many skilled guys with that athletic ability and that size. So to me, it's on Wiggins to say, look, I want to be the player I'm capable of becoming. As we talked about earlier, there's a coach, though, who I think has to find a way. I don't know how you do it to connect with maybe the most important player this offseason in Andrew Wiggins and say, look, man, this is it. This is your last chance to figure it out and to make that jump. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, some of the numbers are amazing. If you just had a coach that could put his arm around Wiggins in whatever way needs to be done to connect with him and say, listen, let's talk about, let's talk about 
efficiency here. Let's talk yeah. about making you a better player and maximizing your strengths. You shoot. You are one of the best converters at the rim in the NBA. When you get to the rim, you convert at a 70% clip and then get Crazy. fouled a lot of other times. Yep. When you shoot from 3 feet to 10 feet, you convert 46% of those. Like, that's a good number. Yep. We'll take those. We'll take those. Once you start to get outside 16 feet, mid-range to the three-point line, you are one of the worst in the NBA. And also, free-throw shooting is a huge problem. Yep. So let's let's make a checklist here. You don't have to fix everything in one offseason, but if you can make free-throws and if you can make threes, and, in, and then in addition, take fewer long shots and get to the rim because now you're going to be confident in your free-throw shooting. You can get to the rim more often, too. Like, let's start there. Forget about the fact that he's kind of a mediocre ball handler mm-hmm. and, uh, and like, defensively still has a lot. If you can shoot threes and improve your free throw shooting and then understand shot selection, and that's coaching in, in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it, go, go fix your jump shot is, yeah. is on you. But for a coach to really point those things out and make it clear to the player, here's how you can be on the all-star team. This is it right here, man. You're going to score 23, 25 points a game, and you're going to – and you're going to be one of the more you know efficient offensive players in the league if we do these things. And and, and I, I agree with you 100%. Tom Tibbs just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that encourages that confidence as much as he goes, listen, I've had all these players who worked hard. You're going to get out there and work, right? Like that's the bottom line. You're going to work. Yeah, I, you're going to want it. That, 48 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Like, dude, we know. There's that the personal element. At the same time, with, with an – Andrew Wiggins, I, I'm not sure if anybody knows how he's he's wired necessarily. He's playing with a guy in Carl Anthony Towns who's one of the best young players in the NBA, who's maybe the future of the NBA along with Giannis and a couple of other guys who shows that edge every single day and tries to get better every single day. And being around that guy and Jimmy Butler isn't encouraging that. I'm not sure what Tom can do, but he has to try because Wiggins has to realize that they're going to have to find a way to do something with this guy if he doesn't make these strides because you can't give him $150 million and let him, and waste this period for the Wolves. For sure. Myron Medcalf hanging out with us in for Judd today. Doogie's going to come in for uh, an end-of-the-week scoop session, and then usually we do write that down at 10 o'clock. We're going to do that at 11 o'clock today in an accountability session. So Doogie coming in next. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but... Always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 